What's up, you guys? Happy Sunday again. It is your host, Des, also known as Des B, bringing it back for another episode of Brunch with Des B, which is me. I'm so excited to have you here. If you're new here, what is up? And if you're not new here, welcome back. Thank you for listening yet again. If you guys haven't already, please make sure that you give this podcast a five-star review on Apple, share it on Spotify, share it to your Instagram stories, share wherever you need to to help support this podcast and get these episodes heard. As you guys know, the past three weeks now, I have done something on my podcast called Pass the Mic. In this mini-series, I have been passing the virtual and metaphoric mic of my podcast to men and women in the Black community and helping amplify their voice, sharing their stories, and honestly just hearing a little bit more of a different perspective on racism, the different masks it wears, and what it looks like in different people's journeys. Because I am obviously a white woman, and obviously you guys, some of you listening, are also not a part of the black community, we will never understand fully what it feels like to experience racism and to experience that from a young age growing forward. So I think the best way that we can at least put ourselves in those shoes to at least understand and gain a new outlook is to honestly open our hearts and our minds to hearing from those who battle it every day and who will never stop battling it. Obviously, our goal in America, our goal as a nation, as a world, is to eliminate racism, right? We, we are 100% behind that. But sadly, Not everyone is always going to be on board. So I think it's very important for us who has a voice, has a platform to step up, utilize it, and share it with those that need to be amplified. So again, I'm very excited to have you guys here for the Pass the Mic series. This is now episode four. I will be having more episodes involving just different people from different walks of life that deserve to have their stories heard. So again, buckle up. I have a great friend with me, Ajazi. She is also my teammate on Alani Nutrition. She's a Gymshark athlete. She's an amazing woman, so beautiful, so kind-hearted. And to be quite honest, I've never actually heard her story. You know, I I don't really know where she's come from. I I only know what she has been maybe the past three years, you know, since we've known each other on social media. Um, So not only is it my due diligence as a friend to get to know her more, which I'm excited about, but also as a teammate and also as, I hate the word, ally, but that's the only verb I can think of as an ally. Um, So sit back, let's get into the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. I have a beautiful friend of mine on, Ajazi. I'm so excited to have her. Ajazi, you can say hi if you'd like. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited. Our our hearts are full. We're excited to chat with not only one another, but also around the issues in America right now, where we see it going, how we can be a change regardless of our own skin tones, um, but how we can help amplify the voices 
of the black community right now and you know how how that experience is growing up in that community so ajazi i'm gonna pass the mic quite literally to you right now um <laughs> feel free to open up just you know who are you where are you from how old are you your social security number whatever yes, my address <laughs> comes out your your card numbers <laughs> feel free take it away all right. Hello, you guys. I am Ajazi Gardner. I am 25 years old, and I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm currently living in Los Angeles. I moved out here last summer. I just got approved for my new apartment, by the way, so we're going to be moving in July. But I am half Black and half Vietnamese, so I've grown up, obviously, a Black woman, but also biracial. And that's just an experience with within itself. Truly, mm-hmm. it's uh, I don't even know how to explain it because there's so many different directions it can take being biracial. Mm-hmm. But it's like in the eyes of some people, you are a straight black woman. Like you are a black woman. I don't know what you're mixed with. I don't care to know what you're mixed with. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a community of black people, I am mixed. And I am, I have certain privileges from being mixed, from having a lighter complexion, from having less kinky hair. So it's like growing up from literally when I was in elementary school in Las Vegas, Nevada with my parents, my dad was probably one of a handful of black men in Las Vegas at the time. He When he moved, he was, I think he was like 22, 23, grew up in California, picked up and moved to Las Vegas with like 500 bucks and just wanted to start a new life out here. Damn, go off, dad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then my mom grew up in Vegas. I think she moved here and like at the end of middle school or something like that. So Vegas like had, it became like a melting pot, but I feel like it was during those years that like my parents started dating to when I was born that it's become more diverse. Okay. And so my dad, as I was growing up was, like I said, one of the only handful of black people in Vegas. He had long dreads. People used to mistake him for Bob Marley and like ask to take pictures (laughs) with him. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know. I, so I grew up in a predominantly white community. My mom wanted like the best opportunities for me and like picked my schooling based off of what education like was going to be provided the best kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And like everybody says, like racism is taught. It's not, you're not born racist. So Mm -hmm. like growing up, I was friends with everybody. I don't, we don't see color when we're young. Like playing on the playground and scratching elbows and stuff and like there's like little subtle microaggressions that started happening like as I was growing up that I honestly probably didn't realize or just now surfacing based off of this movement because I'm kind of like being a lot more mindful of like what I have internalized like my Mm -hmm. entire life and like being a black woman and I'm sure you've heard this a lot there's been there's been this like stigma around like angry black women or like Mm -hmm. pulling the race card oh there she goes pulling the race card again like you're like you're clearly so blessed you're so privileged like don't pull out that card so Mm -hmm. I grew up like internally silenced in a way where you're just like afraid to speak up because 
of your skin color and you don't want to be the angry black girl or you don't want to seem like you're not grateful for the position that you're in. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of came with the territory of like where I grew up and like just be like settling with the opportunities that I had and not feeling like it was my place to speak up because I had it better than like some others can say. So I like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like a very like grateful, humble person. And I know that I had blessings on blessings on blessings that I would never want to make someone feel like I wasn't happy with where I was kind of thing, you know? Right. Can, can you explain just for the audience what a kind, like what a microaggression is and what that might look like maybe nowadays now that you've learned that? Yeah. So, well, microaggressions literally happen like all day, every day. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't even realize that they're microaggressions and that we are internalizing them. But I've received so much like, you're so pretty for a black girl. You're so pretty because you're a mixed black girl. Or like when people walk up to you and I, I don't consider this, uh, like I necessarily wouldn't consider this like a microaggression because I'm also intrigued by people's ethnicities and where they come from. Mm-hmm. But I understand how people can feel some type of way if someone walks up to you and they're like, oh my God, what are you mixed with? You can't mm-hmm. be full black, so I know you have something else. Or you look so exotic. Because mm-hmm. I, I know, like, my mix looks interesting, and I don't mind telling people that I'm half Vietnamese. Like, I love being, like, Blasian. Like, it's great. Right, but, that's amazing. <laughs> but the association that people have with it, like, right. you're light-skinned, you have, like, looser curls, you're obviously mixed with something. You're probably, like, Caribbean or something. Like, you can't okay. just be black. So mm. it's, like, these little tiny, like, things where it's, like they kind of like, like, it's so systemic that it's been like, embedded into our society to where it's like, discredit the black discredit the blackness discredit like, Mm. oh, you probably got accepted into that college because you're a person of color. So you're like tokenized. Oh, you probably got that scholarship because diversity like clauses like so it's Mm -hmm. like, these little tiny like, slaps in the face almost that right we, that we've just taken like got beaten up with like for so long that I never realized were like slaps in the face mm, right so, wow that's that's yeah. interesting and I feel like it's again it's something that's um very common that even people uh, no matter what your race might be those microaggressions are it, it's not that we're that you're trying to be racist or anything, but like you said, it's so systemic yeah. that it's just something we've naturally grown up to applaud and be like, wow, like she is, she's a beautiful black woman. But instead of, or I'm sh- I should say, instead of saying it, wow, she's a beautiful black woman, it's wow, she's, she's beautiful for being black. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Okay. It's always the phrasing of stuff. Interesting. And I have to say, you do have the most beautiful hair Thank in, you so much. in the world. And I just have to ask, growing up, did you embrace your hair like you do now? I Absolutely had a conversation before. Not. You did? Oh, Absolutely you did it. not. Oh, no. It's yeah, so beautiful. Dude. It's crazy. And I'm sure, I don't know if you and Libby got a chance to talk about it, but Libby and I have talked about our biracial growing up, like, lifestyles and habits and like experiences and so like I was like I was saying I was in like a predominantly white like kind of diverse community I was like I had white friends I had Asian friends I had black friends but Mm -hmm. I feel like I never felt like 
I am a black girl. This is my black community. Or like, I am okay. an Asian girl. This is my Asian community. I'm like stuck right in the middle. Like you're mm. not, you're not black enough. You're not Asian enough. Well, a lot of people associate it with white. Cause I look mixed that people okay. wouldn't assume Asian. So when, especially a biracial girl who's half black, half white, which obviously can be like an identity crisis within itself because mm-hmm. of the systemic white privilege. Right. So where you're like battling two sides of like, actually having people who are like racist on one side maybe not right in your family but like in your blood kind of thing mm-hmm. versus like being half black so you're not you're not black enough but you're not white enough you're a black person but then the black people are like well you're mixed with white so it's like biracial children like go through identity crises going up so that's always difficult within itself so being in a community where uh, there, I was always like maybe one of maybe two or three black kids in my class all through college though like my entire education from pre-k to my senior year of college I remember being like one of three black kids or maybe the one black girl in the class uh-huh. and it's crazy to even think about that it's like, oh, I could never skip class because my teacher would notice because that one black girl with the curly hair <laughs> isn't sitting right. like in the seat. Like you can like definely pick me out of like a crowd. Right. So just being in predominantly like white communities or less diverse communities growing up, I wanted straight hair. Okay. Used to beg my mom to straighten my hair for like major holidays. Christmas, my birthday, maybe like an Easter. And it would take like three hours for her to straighten my hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Insane. And my mom being Asian and having her first biracial child, because I'm her only child, she didn't like press my hair or like um relax my hair or anything like that which is really common in black families Uh so like my hair like I kind of like got saved in that sense that my mom was Asian and she didn't feel inclined to like hot comb my hair every day kind of thing right (laughs) right right so I would beg her to straighten my hair for all the major holidays and then I get into middle school and I'm like stealing her straightener to straighten my own hair Mm. And then we get into high school, and it's obviously the freaking teasing, the teasing trend. Oh, no. (laughs) Did you do that? I straightened and teased my hair every day until my junior year of high school. Did you put it back with, like, the two shitty bobby pins? (laughs) Yes. And you had to, like, cross them for it to stay. And my my teeth used to be so tall. <laughs> I did like, and that's the thing is like when that's all you see, knowing mm-hmm. damn well that that was not what I should be doing with my hair. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Of course, you wanted to fit the mold. So my junior right. year, I had top ramen curls. Like my <laughs> my curls were so fried and heat damaged that they looked like a dry packet of top ramen. Oh my gosh. And I stopped straightening my hair. I stopped putting heat on it. I straightened it for my high school graduation in 2014 to be able to wear my cap comfortably. Fair. And that was the last time I've straightened my hair since I was what, like 17? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's I been a hair like, journey. Now, I almost want to see how long it is though. It would probably touch my butt. That's the, amazing. The shrinkage is real. 
that is, is it pretty long when you get out of the shower though yeah yeah okay fair super long oh my gosh well I do I think that again hair is something um I I never really and again that me growing up white I never really think about um I've I, you know I've never had to be taught how to do my hair right. or you know how to take care of it to a certain point obviously right so I do think that it's interesting also knowing that your mom was Asian and helped you learn how to take care of your hair. So did she like know how to like, and I'm only asking because, you know, your hair is probably so different from even hers. Right. Um, so is that something she had to like also teach herself as a mother? Yeah, 100%. Cause she has like bone straight Asian girl hair, like Vietnamese, right. long, like she, she dyes it now, but it'd be like the long to your butt, like black pin straight, thick Asian. Wow. Hair. So that, she, I don't even know how she learned. Cause I don't think that was something you could really research. Right. Like, right. How do I do my, uh, black and knees daughter's <laughs> hair? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But well, obvious, obviously she, she stepped up though. Yeah. Stepped up 100%. It's a lot of conditioner, a lot of detangling and a lot of styling products to tame, tame this mane. But oh my gosh, she figured so it out 100%. So, so growing up, you're in a predominantly white neighborhood and in assuming white schooling. Yeah. How did, how was the transition going from maybe your high school to, you know, peers you see every day to then college? Cause I know you stayed in Las Vegas for university, but were you around like a totally different slew of people? So I actually moved up to Reno, Nevada for school, which is like, okay, okay. It's northern Nevada, random, tiny town. Like, it's almost like a college town. I just wanted okay. to get out of Vegas, but I wanted to keep that in-state tuition. So, uh, ooh, girl. <laughs> ooh, felt that. Yes. So, I went up to Reno, and it's wider in Reno than it is in Vegas. Vegas is a lot more diverse than Reno was. But okay. a lot of us did move from Vegas. And then, of course, Reno Athletics, um, like, got a lot of black athletes. So, it, it was, like, reasonably diverse. Okay. Same same kind of vibe growing up. No black teachers, still one of a couple handful of black students in my classes. And then I was a kinesiology major, and of course all the all the athletes wanted to do something something in sports medicine. Right. So there was always this like I had the same black kids in every class. It'd be me and the same like three or four black black guys on the football team, a couple girls from the volleyball team. Like we all like saw each other in every single one of our kinesi classes. So. Oh my gosh. It, I mean, it was a it was a small community of us that just always always had each other's support, right? Well, and I feel like that's at least nice, especially in a college environment, to to have the support of different peers. But growing, or I should say, going through college, did you have a lot of like black professors? Like, was your nope. actual? I didn't have oh, a really? single black professor. The only black teacher or professor that I had my entire life was my kindergarten teacher. No way. Mm-hmm. Wow. My entire education. That That's actually mind-blowing to me. Only because I, I had quite a few. Like, I, I feel like I had a really nice, literally, mix of like just range. Different, yeah. different races of different kind. I mean, from, you know, Asian to Black to Hispanic. And, you know, I feel like I had a good diversity. But, again, you know, you go to different parts of the nation and everything is so different. Exactly. So now you're living in L.A., Yes. And you're full full-time influencer. Yes. And you're obviously in a huge melting pot. I mean, I would comfortably say LA is very 
for the most part, you know, you have people from everywhere. Yeah, 100%. Very diverse. So do you feel like when you went there, you were more, you you know, you saw more people like you, you were able to maybe get into more communities or meet new people? um, Or was it just as much of kind of like living the same life, you know? I'm still such a homebody, but it is nice seeing such like a melting pot when I'm out. Right. But like, I haven't like gotten like dove too deep into any communities or made that many friends because I'm literally such a homebody. Right. I feel like that. I feel like that's how it is with like being on social media a lot too. Like you just kind of, you almost become introverted. Yeah. 100%. Because you're you're extroverted all the time. Yeah. So that when you get that time to yourself, you're like, I'm I'm like, I'm going to use this time just for (laughs) me. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously with your in, like influencing, um, you know, I've seen you grow from, you know, small companies to now being with some of the big guys in town, so to speak. During the past three, four weeks, we've seen a lot of companies literally shit the bed, either yeah. A, number one, or B, really step it up. Um, and I want you to touch on number one, the companies you're with, how you feel as if they responded. Did you have a company where maybe you felt you, you had to reach out and be like, Hey, what's going on? Um, can you share a little bit about that being an athlete for companies and feeling 100% supported? Thankfully, girl, thankfully I feel 100% supported by my companies and I'm so grateful for that because your girl was wiling on her story. <laughs> so I couldn't have talked the talk and I'll walk the walk. So like, <laughs> if it wasn't going to be like, if it wasn't going to be 110% support, I was going to have to lose some contracts. We were going to have Absolutely. to terminate. So thankfully, like Gymshark and Alani really stepped up and even like smaller brands that I support Tula, Tula came through 437 Absolutely. showed support. So like, I'm very grateful for like the the group of companies that I'm, I'm regularly supporting and that they're regularly, regularly supporting me. Mm -hmm. And I've had some actual open conversations with Gymshark. Gymshark has been very, very hands-on. And then I'm sure you heard that Alani provided me and a couple other athletes with $10,000 of our own to donate to Black Lives Matter organizations and stuff. So that was huge. But uh, Gymshark has really opened up the table to just really pinpoint where they can do better just as a team like right for us to pave the way as one of a handful of black athletes which Gymshark has been doing like huge on the diversity so I'm very grateful for that as well yeah inclusivity in our in our brand and one thing that really um popped out to all of us uh we were we hopped on a zoom call and they had a call with asha phillips she's one of our gymshark athletes she's like an olympian like she's oh, shit. A, a boss bitch <laughs> she was like hey you guys i just wanted to mention like totally random never wanted to really say anything not that big of a deal but for our shoots and stuff can we get like a makeup artist and a hairstylist that knows how to work with black skin and black hair mm. And I was like, and they brought it up to me, like on our own conversation. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, can we? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. As, and that's the thing is it's so systemic that there's stuff that mm-hmm. we don't even pay attention to. And as a black girl showing up to any shoot, any video shoot, any photo shoot with Gymshark or not, any company, I've always shown up foundation and concealer on 
and my hair done because I mm-hmm. never wanted to show up and then not be able to match my skin complexion and make me look fucking crazy. Right. Oh, or <laughs> me or me not put product in my hair and then not have like any product that would be able to like get my curls under control. You know, like I can't wow. just show up, roll out of bed like, oh, the crew's about to handle me. Like I'm about to be looking pop in a day. Like, I, got, <laughs> I got up and like made sure that I would be presentable regardless of who was about to do my makeup and my hair. Right. We don't, we can't be rolling the damn dice there. Yeah. It's not, it's not a risk I can take. They might put some (laughs) weird shades on my face. I'm going to be a cake face. Who knows what's going to happen? Wow. Well, and even that, I mean, is something as a white female, I would consider that white privilege. Am I correct? Yeah, definitely. Right. So again, that's even a small look of what white privilege can be. And other and people not, yeah, and it's not, not noticed. That you, yeah, not something that you guys are intentionally taking privilege of. Right, it's just right. readily available. And that's where I think people confuse white privilege because they think that we're taking away from their wins and their success and their like opportunities when that's not what we're saying at all. It's mm-hmm. literally just saying that you have not dealt with very many issues in your lifetime based off, solely off your skin color. Right. Absolutely. And I do think that that's been a huge conversation um, with these, like a lot of companies in general, the past weeks is realizing um, how much a lot of even the owners, you know, played into their own white privilege and completely avoided what was going on. So let me ask you in your personal opinion, and again, all opinions are fucking warranted on this podcast. So if anyone were to ever have an issue, like, please just exit because we're all allowed to to speak how we want. Absolutely. Um, but in terms of certain companies wanting to quote unquote, stay silent, right? They, they want to avoid conflict. Um, and again, doesn't mean they're racist, but they don't want to step in either lane, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that was kind of their, I don't want to call it an excuse because, again, this is an opinion, but that was their uh we, we can We can call it an excuse. Okay, let's fucking call it. Let's you know just what? call yeah, it a fucking that's... excuse. <laughs> let's just call it an excuse. So they, they wanted to kind of steer clear. They wanted to keep things normal. What was your personal emotions that came behind that when you saw companies maybe you have previously supported or just other powerhouses? Um, and I'm talking, like, anywhere from – you know, I'm talking even Reebok, you know, did right. CrossFit, all these different people that just like literally shit the bed. What were your emotions as someone in that community seeing just big powerhouses, not even saying anything, not saying anything, period? I think a huge majority of us, specifically in my community on Instagram and the people I follow and that follow me, we've been huge, huge, and I've even unfollowed people speaking of, but we've been huge, huge advocates for like the silence is violence narrative. Right. Now, silence has never really been violence until now, until what, mm-hmm. two, two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because after witnessing George Floyd's death on top of Ahmaud Arbery's and Breonna Taylor's and everything just happening all at once in the middle of a pandemic. We're all sitting on our phones watching all this craziness like transpire. Mm -hmm. Something clicked in all of us. Black women, white women, Asian women, all of us, like people, men, everybody. Mm -hmm. We were just like, this isn't fucking okay. Mm -hmm. And I need to speak the fuck up. Like it, it became like a, 
I don't want you to be non-racist. I want you to be anti-racist. I want you speaking against this because this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And that's where everybody started being held accountable to where they've gone so long being able to stay silent. So they're like, what the fuck is the problem now? Like, I've never spoken up about shit like this. Right. And right. now it's like, no, you are being held accountable to like speak up for humanity. It's not a political issue. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it gets like become such a sticky area is because everybody wants to call it political or we want to keep our views like to a minimum because this is our our brand this is our business like we want to we want to like make all of our consumers happy or all of our supporters happy by not saying Mm -hmm. anything at all like so Mm -hmm. we so we don't step on the toes of people who don't agree with black lives matter and that's not the case anymore Right. And I was having a conversation with somebody about this and I was like, you know what it was about these brands that waited like Black Lives Matter is blowing up over the course of like a week after George Floyd's video goes viral and everybody's still quiet and everybody's still quiet and it's hitting the weekend and brands are starting to post and they're like, okay, like we have to speak up too. We have to speak up too. And then it hit like, I swear it was like, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday-ish, because Blackout Tuesday was coming up, Mm -hmm. and, like, brands start getting called out gradually, and the brands that didn't want to say anything, that have yet to say anything, and obviously, all of social media is Black Lives Matter. Like, if it's not revolving Black Lives Matter, it's, like, not even happening. Right. And they wanted, I'm, from my personal opinion, they wanted it to blow over. They're like, right. let's see how long we can let this blow over before we don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And then Blackout Tuesday came and they're like, oh, shit, we could just post a square. We don't even have to say Black Lives Matter because that hashtag's being used for resources. Like, perfect. It's a win. And now these anti-racists, this great community of everybody being anti-racist are like, that's not OK. You can't just post a black square. You need to stand the fuck up for what's right. And they're right. like oh oh we really, oh shit oh yeah we really fucking do now don't we <laughs> so it's like and I just like went on this long rant on my story this morning about performative activism and I just want to touch on it really really quick oh because, please do because obviously specifically me and Libby but a lot of other people as well had to call out a few brands as like nobody was saying anything people were being silenced comments were being deleted like comments were being filtered people were being blocked for asking questions like and that I think going looking back on it I wouldn't have been as aggressive I wanted to serve as a voice for people who were being silenced 100% and I think I was so enraged I was fuming because I felt like my voice was finally being heard and then for me to get hundreds of dms about people like I'm just trying to ask if they're going to speak up. I'm just trying to spread awareness and they're deleting my comments and they blocked me. I'm like, you're silencing me again. And I just got my voice back. You're silencing everybody. And we just got our voice heard. Like I was pissed. Oh yeah. That I I definitely could have been a little more professional about the matter, but I mean, it it happened the way it happened. (laughs) No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. (laughs) So Putting performative activism. So performative activism is when people act like activists to put on a performance to like satisfy their consumers, satisfy their followers, satisfy whatever. Got it. And it comes off as very disingenuous. 
So to think that if me and the other influencers that were holding these brands accountable with larger platforms, and I feel like that's what was most important, is that these small, like consumers, not even influencers, people that weren't maybe even pursuing like social media or had a fitness page, like literally just purchasers, like buyers of these products are like, hey, like, I want you to stand up for my community. I'm a black woman and I buy your pre-workout. Like, I want to know if you support my community. And so as a bigger influencer and these brands are getting called out and now comments are being flooded and there's like people popping off and now people are mad, which that's just as counterproductive, but I'll get into that too, (laughs) that these brands are like, oh, we support Black Lives Matter so much. We already, we've already been doing a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes. We've been signing all the petitions we've donated already and like, I don't have to prove to you that I'm a good person. Uh, yeah, the fuck you do. Right. <laughs> you. Maybe as a, a normal human being with a normal social media page, I could maybe say that, but like still not even because you should show your friends where you stand in important causes. So I feel like everybody should spread awareness. I'm confused why you would not want to spread awareness. Right. If you are so supportive of the cause and nobody posted receipts. So I, I just don't believe anything you say mm-hmm. about, about posting behind the scenes and being good humans behind the scenes, because why would you not want to advocate for what you obviously believe in if you've been making changes behind the scenes? Right, right. And I made this analogy today and I was like, performative activism is like a cheating significant other. They're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating. You never know, you never know. You They get caught and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You didn't apologize because you were cheating. You were apologizing because you got caught. Absolutely. So do I accept your apology because you weren't a good enough human to like right your wrongs and do that on your own? Or do like, or am I supposed to accept your apology because you're only apologizing because I caught you and you would still not, well, you'd still be cheating technically if I didn't call you out, whereas with these brands, you would still not be speaking up if I didn't call you out. So it's like, is your attempt at like seeming like you support the movement enough? Not really. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of these people, at least most of them, I will say one company, um, they're just complete ignorant assholes, but the other companies who I saw didn't like speak up until later got called out. Um, and one that I specifically left and I'll just go ahead and name drop navigation. Um, I found out what they were doing from your guys' stories. So like, you don't always see shit in your feed, um, regardless of like being affiliated or not, you know, I don't always see it. So when I saw what had happened with, um, just like the comments being deleted, filtered along with just, pushing the narrative of a new launch uh it just before didn't it, sit right, uh, right before yeah it just didn't sit right and for that company specifically and the owners I don't think that they were purposely trying to do it out of spite what I think is occurring in some of these brands is a lot of people are too ignorant to want to learn what they need to know yeah 100%. so so it's not that they don't care or they're racist or you know, white supremacists, it's the fact that they live for their privilege. They don't give a fuck because they don't have to give a fuck. Right. And that's where it rubbed me wrong when it's like, why 
why are these people not speaking, but they're using the I'm not educated when their own athletes, for example, myself, watch my fucking story. Do you know what right, I mean? Like right. copy and paste my fucking links. You know what I mean? Like share what I'm doing or like share, you know, copy and the, paste the whoever. to show support is the bare minimum. Exactly. Share resources. And exactly. nobody would have said anything. And, and even then it would be sad if, again, it was disingenuine. But like that's even just saying that's all that had to be done, yeah. you know, for a lot of these companies. And it's very sad to see that in like you mentioned, performative activism, we're now seeing all of these companies all of a sudden posting with black athletes, which is beautiful. That's the change we want. Right. Right. But it's like, now it's sitting even more weird. Cause it's like, what'd you do? Just rally up the troops real quick to kind of like shove it under the rug. So you exactly. can get, get a few triple posts in and then all of a sudden go back to what was being done before. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it's been a weird time and I know there's not a, a perfect way to do it, Absolutely. but, um, even not being a part of the community, but having empathy and sympathy for the community, um, even certain things like that, like it, it hurts me to, to imagine it hurting my friends, yeah, you know, and, and that, and that's something I can never step in their shoes and replace that pain for them. Um, and something that will sadly continue until we make a change. Absolutely. And it's just so tough with any of these conversations because everybody says this, like, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Like, Mm -hmm. I post and it's performative activism. If I keep not posting, then I'm still not supporting. Or I say something, but I say it the wrong way, and then people attack me, and then, like, I feel like I shouldn't have said anything to begin with. Or (laughs) even, like, I was – I'm going to be honest. I was truly terrified to post that picture of me at the protest because Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to seem like – an IG photo shoot like absolutely oh, yep. just wanted to capitalize off of this movement and I didn't get a single hate comment on mine but then I see non-blacks posting theirs and it and they get like ripped to fucking shred oh yeah for posting a picture <laughs> with their sign so RIP. Like, damned if you do damned if you don't it's so it's so trash I hate it uh like I wish that it wouldn't be such a controversial like situation but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's so systemic racism is so uncomfortable like it it was uncomfortable for blacks and now it's uncomfortable for non-blacks to speak on it especially any other race that's dealt with racism especially Mm -hmm. like this conversation is not just about like black lives this is the systemic racism of all people of color so right it's I I and the Libra in me can always see things from all sides like viewpoints. <laughs> yes, yes. I can see everything from every angle. So like on my story this morning, I was like, "Is performative activism bad?" No, because at the end of the day, we got them to spread awareness. It's still right. a win. Am I going to support those brands that like were do like like partaking in performative activism? Probably not, because I don't feel supported like as a like someone in the black community. But I can understand why maybe an athlete would stay with the brand and hopefully hold them accountable to Mm -hmm. do better in the future. Because if everybody just left these brands and I feel like nobody would grow, nobody would improve. Like I, like I can see the glass half full in multiple scenarios. So I get it, but it's just, I just like feel so bad that it, like everything has to turn into an argument. Everything has to be defensive ever. Like you can't just simply support this movement without mm-hmm. having to like stand your ground and be so confident in, in what you're saying and know that your intentions are so pure. 
that mm-hmm. you don't feel hurt by the people that are attacking you and that you don't like take it personally that people are angry and that people are sensitive. So it's like such like tough, tough conversations to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a hundred percent. And I do think, like you said, sticking with a brand, holding them accountable. You know, I've seen some people stay with um, <laughs> Bomar Nutrition. I'm just right. going to go ahead and just say it out there. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people stay with them. Um, I've seen a lot of people stay with First Form. I've seen a lot of people stay with Navigation. Some people are still staying with CrossFit, you know, and again, it's, it's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're holy for leaving them. Um, and you you're know, not, yeah. And it doesn't make you like, that's one thing, the bullying, like you're racist. If you, yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You can't bully people into anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I do think that cancel culture is just so, cr- I mean, fu- for fuck's sake, last night cancel Starbucks was trending. I'm like, why the fuck did they have to mess up? I know. <laughs> but they but they put out a statement this morning and they're like, hey, here's what we're doing, whatever. So now all of a sudden Starbucks not canceled. Like, I don't think it's about canceling these companies or saying, well, if you're still with them, you're a piece of shit. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to stay, then you need to continue to do your part. Hold, yeah. Hold yeah. them accountable. And, um, you know, leaving navigation for me, it, it was pretty hard because I really respect Ashley and Brett. And I do know that they meant for the greater good. Yeah. Um, but but in order t- for them to have made those changes and even publicly apologize and share what they did, like specifically stating, hey, we deleted comments. We did this. We're so sorry. Absolutely. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the few people, which I think it was only me and one other person, maybe. But if it wasn't for the few people that did leave. They wouldn't that, have that stepped wouldn't up. Have been, yes, yep. that wouldn't you, have happened. You one hundred percent got sacrificed. Right, and right. It was like, and like, shout out to the people who stand the fuck up for what they believe in, because they probably wouldn't have apologized if it wasn't for you and someone else who left, because it wouldn't right. be big enough for athletes to actually want to terminate contracts. You know, right? Like that's or, how or publicly declare it, it. Yeah, right. And so I, I do think that there's so many positive things that have come out of this and it's awesome to know, especially since we're both partnered specifically on Alani, um, just how they handled the situation and upon my other partnerships and upon your other partnerships. It's good to, to see that and be a part of something that's like that because it's like when something else happens, you know that they'll also speak up. Exactly. Um, so it's, you know, as history continues and, we continue the conversation, you know, that's the hard part. So I kind of want to break into that as we're evolving from like social media and kind of growing into it. How do you, how do we find normalcy and find still activism and advocating? How do you feel like that balance is achieved or like, it, do you have a picture of what that looks like? You know, like, what do you, what do you see there? I honestly don't have a perfect picture, but I do know that through this movement and me, like, I truly feel like I came into my power as a black woman because of this movement and because oh, yeah. of how outraged everybody was. Like, like we've had hashtag after hashtag after hashtag after death, after death, after video, after video. And it's like, I know protests have happened in the past and that, Everybody's like, oh, this will blow over too. But I have never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this conversation isn't going anywhere. And I don't mind at this point. Like, the normalcy is strained. Everybody's been hesitating to post. Like, we don't want to seem like we're sweeping it under the rug and moving on with our lives. Mm-hmm. That 
I don't mind posting my workout, sharing my workout, sharing a resource, laughing on my story. I don't feel uncomfortable to like, it, like, I feel like when we were going through the thick of it, it was like, you couldn't do anything but post Black Lives Matter. You mm-hmm. couldn't even smile. Like, I like literally somebody told somebody to stop smiling on their story. Oh, well, I, po- I posted my fucking gender reveal or I didn't yeah. post. I didn't post the gender reveal. Um, Talked about posting, but I like yeah I was just yes yeah yeah. and yeah and I got I got fired at from only a few people but still right those few it hurts you're like oh my fuck I did not mean to do that yeah we Um, were like in the thick of the darkness and nobody wanted light at the time where now it's like we everybody's empowered everybody (laughs) sees the light and now I feel like this is where you talk about being a good human at home. And raising good children to be anti-racist mm-hmm. and having uncomfortable conversations at the dinner table. This mm-hmm. is where that movement has come. We wanted right. awareness. We wanted to blow up all the heinous crimes and murders that were being committed in our country. We wanted people to pay the fuck attention to what the fuck was happening. That's why awareness was so important. And Absolutely. now it's like, you might have to confront your racist uncle. You might have to tell, like, and honestly, I'm gonna, if I'm being honest... The Asian community is not very educated on, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. So mm-hmm. when they're getting all of their resources from Facebook, scrolling through Facebook, they oh, see looting and rioting. <laughs> and they don't, yeah. they don't take the time to properly educate themselves with, like, wh- like, why are we actually fighting for the Black Lives Matter movement? And that might mm-hmm. be some uncomfortable conversations that I have to explain to my Vietnamese-speaking family members you know so it's like this is where you have to make the change like deeper Mm -hmm. so i like that keep doing what you're doing like we like we can post we can laugh we can smile you can do a gender reveal without being getting cussed out like (laughs) 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 and like keep providing resources keep signing petitions keep having uncomfortable conversations or another another thing that's really important I don't know if you saw this girl post her experience about walking out the store Oh with a shit! Black man. With um, with the detector. Yeah. Oh shit! That was so powerful. Yeah, like shit like that is where changes are really gonna fucking be made. Where it's right. like you're not gonna check my bag when I have this giant Louis V purse, and that's why right. you're not checking my bag is because you're gonna assume that I'm white privileged and don't need to steal. Right. But you're gonna check the black man that doesn't even have a bag that's directly next to me that's walking out the security detectors at the same exact time as me. Right, right. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that story too, because just the other day I had some some guy come out and do fucking siding on my house, like an estimate, which by the way, just never get fucking new siding on your house. Like, <laughs> goddamn. It's like sending a kid to college. Right. So I'm sure. but he came out and um he was talking about just how good his business is and um, you know, how they also install windows. So as we're sitting there, this we're in the thick of all of this protesting. And he said something along the lines of, well, you know, I was just down the street and we installed these beautiful double pane, some bullshit, right? He said, now, let me tell you, these aren't like the windows that we install a mile other da- uh, back down the other side of the road in the hood. I said, oh, well, what kind, what kind of windows well, do you mean that you install in the hood? Right. Yeah. And he turned bright red and, but, and that's the first time I ever said something like that, because again, that systemic 
word of even the hood or the ghetto. Exactly. We, we, we just say it, right? We just yeah. say it because it's like, it's in songs. We all know kind of what it means or, you know, what it, sh- it shouldn't mean, but sadly it does. You get right. what I'm saying. Right, right, right. And so that was the first time, kind of like that, that target situation where I spoke up and was like, what do you, what kind of, what do you mean? Like, what's the difference in, in the windows? Or, uh, you know, on the like, street, right? Yeah, you know, and uh, and so he he got so red, and he was immediately like, "Well, you know, you know, they're just different paint or whatever." He fucking uh-huh. said, you know. Um, but it's just that type of stuff that, like you said, that's where the changes are going to occur because you almost make people feel so fucking uncomfortable that they are like, "Oh my god, I should probably never say that again," even if uh, yeah. they didn't mean to. Yeah. Even if so they didn't I'm... mean to, or even if they mean it, and they know that they got to watch their mouth in front of people because they don't know who, like, doesn't share that same opinion with them. Because I'm assuming right. he was going to be like, oh, yeah, she knows because she doesn't live in the hood that she has exactly what I'm talking about. Like, right, right, right. And it's like, mm, honey, my best friends were from the hood back in school. Okay, right. so don't go there. Like, people um, should walk on eggshells when they're saying, like, microaggressions. I feel like that's yes. kind of like a microaggression where it's like, yeah. don't, don't get too comfortable sweetheart like <laughs> don't worry about it sweetheart don't worry about <laughs> it sweetheart. don't worry about it <laughs> i love that well going forward obviously in the in the rest of the year we do see huge changes continuing to happen it's coincidentally voting year you know. know what i mean like we we just have this big shit coming up this whole year has just been absolutely the craziest someone just told me the other day, you know, the Australian wildfires happened this year. Right. I said, hold the fuck. What? I know that was this year. Yeah. Um, so just, it's been a crazy year. And you know what? I think one of the best posts I've seen is something along the lines where it went on, but the beginning quote was why, why can't like, don't cancel, cancel the, yeah, 2020. Say the same thing. Don't cancel the year that changed you or something that, like that. Exactly. It yeah. was something like that. And it's like, you know, what? it's so true because as crazy and evolving this year has been, it has been a year that's really got us all fucking woke. Let's, yeah. you know, in any way, shape, or form for yourself, whatever that looks like for you, in some way, you were shaken and rattled um, to the core. And so going forward in this year, and you being now this, I mean, you were before, but now you're really claiming that power of being a Black woman. You You obviously maybe even have discovered, you know, a new passion of, activism and absolutely um, you know promoting justice and equality and how can you maybe you know how can you get more involved in your community whatever that might be for you what do you see this kind of change happening in the community that you're in but also in your own life how do you see that evolving throughout the rest of the year I I see a lot of fucking change happening just because mm-hmm. I feel like especially people like you and me and Libby, like we are not going to let this die. It's not going to go anywhere. No, 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 no. It's really not. Like when you're outspoken and you just sit so strongly in your beliefs and your values and your morals and you could care less who the fuck unfollows you, block me while you're at it. I don't even want you to be able to see my content. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Honey, please just do it. Yeah. And I feel like this was 110% necessary in the fitness industry. Oh, 100%. 110% like necessary in the fitness industry because even like these um, like black fitness influencer shout outs, we had to like really search. And a lot of them were like smaller micro influencers for mm-hmm. black women in the fitness industry. And that right. sucks. And I remember like getting a lot of shit for um, 
like Gymshark not being super diverse and being like light skinned. So I don't get to represent the entire black community for, for Gymshark. And I'd be like, totally understand. I'm so glad that I can like serve as a face of diversity and inclusivity, but can you guys send me some at names, please? Like, and I Mm -hmm. will refer them over and we don't have very many. Yeah. We don't have, like, when I think of Black fitness influencers, I don't, like, a whole bunch of names don't pop into my head. Right. So it's, like, I think that now we've given not only smaller influencers and Black women a voice, but, like, we're just paying a lot more attention to, like, who we're supporting. And now I feel like there's a lot more support going towards the Black community, even just specifically in the fitness industry. But I'm sure any other industry, I'm not really paying attention to, like, beauty influencers and, like, bloggers and stuff. But I'm sure it's, like, just as heavy where it's, like, I'm going to make it a point to, like, like and comment on her stuff because she deserves it as a Black woman kind of thing. Yeah. No, and and I agree. I I noticed the own lack of diversity in my own feed. Um, Yeah. not, Not that I didn't follow people of color, but I maybe not intentionally, um, engaged with them. Right. Yeah. Where, I mean, Instagram's so fucked up. You have to like, like people's stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, um, when I started following back this sweet girl who has followed me for so long, I think, I think her, it's technically like bands fitness, B-A-N-Z. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So sweet. Yes. She's a Swedish. She's always messaging me. And I just, I never followed her back. Not being a dick. You know how that goes. You yeah, just like, you absolutely. get messages all the time. You, you just don't really go to their profile, whatever it might be. And um, so I started following her back and obviously not just to support her, but also being like, damn, like I'm kind of an asshole. Why am I not going out of my way to make yeah, search making more, more, you know? Effort, yeah. Yes. And so um, I started following her and then like SG lifts. Yes. Love SG her. lifts. Sarah. She's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and like TC, TC, uh, man, I can't remember. She's a balance girl. Quite a few balance girls. Another girl, I think maybe Ava or Ave. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, my point being is that I didn't have this uh, variety of amazing people that were smaller pages than me. Um, but I wasn't, I just didn't even know who they were. You know, I didn't go Same. out of my way to do that. I made it and a that, point and to that follow every single person that got shouted out. I was like, Absolutely. Ah, yeah, let, like, Absolutely. let's show support to every single person that, that needs it, that their voice needs to be amplified right now. Right. hundred percent. And I do think that all those smaller pages deserve it. And even just to, to feel good, you know, I've seen Shannon post quite a few times this past weekend um, you can just tell she feels so empowered right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's so freaking cute and it's amazing. She's a younger girl and you know, you know how it is an awkward time, you know, you're like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then you go through this liberating phase of having all these huge influencers shout you out and you, you just feel amazing. You know, you absolutely. feel validated and great. Not that you should search for affirmation or validation, but bitch, it feels good. Don't tell me it doesn't. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I definitely agree for the fitness industry to just kind of be more open-minded, um, be opportunistic in terms of, in terms of, you know, people that you want to support and going out of your way to just ensure that you're supporting everyone you Absolutely. Know, equally. Yeah. Um, but that was it. That was a huge thing too. So, you know, all in all, crazy fucking few weeks. Yeah. Right. Insane. Crazy, crazy fucking monumental. Few weeks monumental monumental crazy never forget it but I do think obviously bigger things are to come out of it um I even think to friendships as well I mean we didn't talk too too much before this like I'm not here to like you know wipe anyone's feet clean like right. I'm not gonna pretend like we didn't talk like we talked every day we didn't 
Um, same with Libby. We talked probably a little bit more, but nothing crazy. But I feel like even through this, I've been able to uh, show some support, get to know you guys more. Build and, some stronger you know, relationships, friendships. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. absolutely. And so I think it's at the end of the day, again, great thing to happen. Terrible thing to happen, but great things have come of it. it. Yep. Yes. We've, made, yeah. we've made the absolute best of it and we're going to make some long-term change out of it. Yep. And I think it's going to be like, it's going to be a crazy rest of the year. Let we'll me tell you we'll that, never forget 2020. Up. That's for sure. No, 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 no. I mean, shit. I got pregnant and we'll give birth in the same year yep. on top of all this pandemic. <laughs> like, what a time. What a Civil time. Movement. Like there's Literally. a lot going on. <laughs> woo. Woo. Crazy. But well, Ajazi, it was so great talking to you. Um, I'm excited to also see where our friendship goes where our teammate ship goes, I guess, if you want to call that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and everything going Can't forward. Can't wait for all what? of us to get together. I know. We'll, we Be should, do, we should, seriously, we should plan something for like July or August yeah, or something, definitely. even just a little squad up. It doesn't have to be crazy, but we should do something. Yeah. So tell everyone where to find you, what's good, what's popping. Um, I'll put everything in the description box anyway, but just let people know, you know, where to find, where to find your fun ass. Yes. Uh, Instagram is a Jawsy fit. A-J-A-H-Z-I-F-I-T. If you've never known how to spell my name, well, me and Des have said it on this podcast today, but <laughs> it's a Jawsy. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, YouTube, a Jawsy Gardener. Twitter, a Jawsy fit. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Contact me well, wherever. Contact Ask me questions. Me. I'm so open to conversations. I love chatting. I love kind of like just giving my perspective or like shedding light in a different in a different way. Like, and I, yeah. I feel like I take a lot of pride in that. Like being able to kind of like explain things that might have been confusing, kind of thing. Right. So feel free to reach out. Slide in my DMs. Love that. Love that for you. Um, well, thank you again for being here, guys. If you haven't already. Give this podcast a five-star review. Share it on your Instagram story. Share it wherever your friends can find it. Tag a Jazzy and I. Let us know you listened. Um, obviously, more, more amazing episodes to come, but what a great series. Pass the mic. I'm so excited to have kind of shared plenty of people's stories with you guys. But Jazzy, till till we farewell. I know. Thank you so much Thank for having you me, again. Dad. I appreciate it. No, of it. course. Of course. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next Sunday. Yes. We'll see you next Sunday.